Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 96. Hey, that rhymed. It did. Why? Okay, how many sixes have we gone through? I don't know. I don't know. Ten. How did we just realize that? Okay. I've been listening to this podcast. And first of all, why am I obsessed with every podcast that Wondery puts out? I think my last three or four podcast recommendations is the Wondery podcast. It's a wonder. Good one. But I'm late to the party on this one, I think. But I listened to Detective Trap. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were telling me that you're listening. It was a pretty interesting case. I mean, I liked it. The only thing that I was a little like, about was because I felt like they focused a lot on her marriage, fertility issues. Like, they even talked about, like, what she wore to the interviews because, like, her specialty is interviewing. So that kind of played a part in, like, her the outfit she picked. But I just felt like if that was a male detective, none of those things would even have been discussed. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only thing that I was like, oh. And some of it, it did fit in the story. Like, the, you know, it kind of, they kind of did bring it back around of why they talked about some of the things. But still, you know. Yeah. But the case was really good. I mean, I really liked it. Well, I'm going to have to listen to it then. But I am spending my time watching The Office because I am way late to that party. And I just started it, y'all. And it's so fucking funny. Why did I wait so long? I've tried it and I just I just couldn't get into it. Now, I will try it again one day because I really wasn't like, I was like, what can I watch? And I was like, oh, I'll just try it. You know, so it wasn't like I, w- I wasn't in the zone for it. Yeah. You have to be in the right mind frame for yeah. shows like that. Yes. And I wasn't, so I will try it again. Yeah, it's so funny. And they're 30 minutes, so it's Mm -hmm. quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God, because I have nine seasons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy fuck. You know who's not late to the party? These new Patreoners. You're damn right. So thank you, Beth H. from Texas. (laughs) Amy M. from New York. Angelina G. from Maryland. Nikki R. from Merseyside, UK. Charlotte P., who is also from across the pond in England, in the UK. And then we have Melissa R. from North Carolina. You legit had your game show host voice on that time. Well, hell yeah, this is my audition reel. Oh, okay. Alex Trebek? No, I'm not smart enough for that. No. We can't even do Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Because no, we're not. No. mm -mm. No. I'm the, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right, except we do Walmart pickups, so we don't know how much it costs. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Be like, shit, how much is that? That's how much milk costs? Milk is fucking expensive. <laughs> Whew. I will tell you, you cannot go watch old game shows like that, because I was like, oh, that is not the right price. Uh, that was from like the 80s, and yeah. so, yeah, it was a lot cheaper back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good story. Hopefully yours is too. <laughs> One can hope. All right, picture it. Thursk, England, <gasps> 1702. Oh. And Thursk is a little village located in North Yorkshire, which is close to our buddy Will's <gasps> neck of the woods. Hey, Will. Hi. Hello. Bloody hell. We are going to be talking about Thomas Busby and he is a town drunk. Okay. Every town needs one. Mm-hmm. But probably really attractive and all that shit. 
And you know how we girls love a good broken bad boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking for myself, hello, taking applications. <laughs> did you write that down? I did. <laughs> really do. You love a fucking project. I do. And you know what? They usually come out looking like my fucking gingerbread crypt keeper thing. Bad. No. Not finished because I don't even read the instructions and... No, they have a fucking glow up and then go and get married to the next person. Very fucking true. Well, Busby meets this beautiful woman named Elizabeth Audie and they fall in love, get married, all of the stuff. They're living on cloud nine. However, drinking isn't going to make you money. But luckily, Busby's new father-in-law was pretty damn successful. You know what he did? Well, he was a coin forger. What? Yeah. And he was damn good at it. He was so good that he was able to buy a local farm and like all narcissistic men, he named it after himself. Of course he did. So his name is Daniel Audie, and he named it Danotti Hall. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. the fuck? Mm-hmm. So this farm was kind of on the outskirts of a town called Kirby Whisk, and therefore he was able to have his little criminal empire without being noticed. But he wasn't taking any chances. He built a secret cellar, which had a secret door that had a secret entrance. All of that jazz, like, he was fucking locked down. Yeah. Which, I mean, duh. I feel like everyone who does, like, shady shit probably doesn't have the money to do all that. But, like, the high up people Mm -hmm. who are criminals, they have that kind of shit. I want a secret room. Me too. That house that was being built out by my house. Yeah. I was like... What's taking it so long? Why does it only have that one little thing? And they were like, that's their... Like, safe room. Yeah, their safe room. I was like, oh, I should have built that. But, I mean, who has money for that? <laughs> no, not me. Mm-mm. Me either. But, damn, that's genius. Mm-hmm. I, like, want, like, movie style. Like, oh, let me roll up the rug, open <laughs> up the hatch, and climb in, you know? Well, if we're going for movie style, I want to be like, oh, this sconce on the wall, you shift it this way. Yes. Then it opens up. Pull this one book from the bookshelf. Mm -hmm. Note, must get bookshelf. (laughs) (laughs) Note, must have books. (laughs) That aren't paperback. (laughs) Because you purge all of your books and they're all at my house. Yes. And I've never read any of them. But I just (laughs) like the way they look in my closet behind the door. (laughs) Well, soon Busby joined Daniel in his coin-making criminal activity, and he was also successful. So with the extra money, he bought an inn that was about three miles from Danotti Hall. And I think Busby was just one of those guys who didn't want to do shit in life, but drink, party, and he was good looking and he got away with it. But now he was married and his father-in-law was not having it. So he was pissed at Busby. He didn't show up for work sometimes, etc. Well, it all came to a head when he missed again. So Daniel marched down to the inn just knowing that he was going to catch Busby drunk as a skunk or with another woman. But Busby was nowhere to be found. Well, where was he? 
Well, I will tell you. Well, I won't tell you because I don't know where he was. But Busby, drunk as usual, returned to his inn and he stopped immediately when his eyes scoured the room and landed on his father-in-law sitting in Busby's favorite chair. Busby was pissed and demanded that Daniel move immediately, but he refused. What? This is very ridiculous. It is. So that is like a total power struggle that has nothing to fucking do about the chair. Yes. I will say, like, I didn't go into it before this, but it, there's like, you know, he always liked to sit in that chair and drink. He always liked to do this in that chair, you know, like, whatever. But he had a favorite chair. Mm-hmm. We Everybody all, does. We all do. Mm-hmm. But would I be like, get out of my chair? Yes. Yes, you would. <laughs> yes, I definitely would. Or if I was saying, get out of my chair, you'd be like, no. Make me. (laughs) Well, things got really heated and they were arguing about everything. And Busby kicked his father-in-law out of the inn. So Daniel threatened to take his daughter Elizabeth back to the farm. But Elizabeth did not leave. She stood by her man. Okay. Well, later that night, Busby was still petty Betty. And he was Fucking fuming over everything. But more importantly, his damn chair. Because he just knew, Daniel knew that would piss him off. All right. So Busby, still fuming, he snuck into the farm, crept his way into the secret room, and picked up a counterfeiting hammer and silently carried it upstairs to where Daniel slept. And then Busby murdered him. (gasps) Bashing his head in with that hammer. Busby, I'm thinking he was still pretty drunk, decided to hide Daniel's body in nearby woods. He should have put him in the damn safe room. Nobody had ever found him. Thank you. That's why I said he had to be still drunk. Like, let me do it out in the open. Mm-hmm. When you got a perfectly private room <laughs> downstairs. Yeah. It wasn't long before Daniel's absence was noticed, so the local police organized a search. His body was found rather quickly because it's out in the middle of the fucking woods, and they zeroed on Busby because he worked with him. They see he was, like, clobbered to death Mm -hmm. with some hammer, and (laughs) I don't know this, y'all, but I'm guessing... They did coins, so it probably had, like, a fucking imprint. Donna, I swear to God, I thought that whenever you said that. And I was like, that might be inappropriate to say. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was going to make a joke about it having the imprint. But what I think they probably do is they have a thing. Like, I'm picturing, you know what I'm picturing? The stamps that you use whenever you have the wax on a thing, on an envelope. So they probably have something like that that they hit. Probably. But... That you know what I mean? Yes, I was just no, like, I did the oh exact God. same thing. Well, we're both terrible human beings. Well, I'll take it. It's fun. Not as bad as Busby, though. Right. Or Daniel. But yeah, they zeroed in on Busby because, hello, he worked with Daniel. Mm-hmm. They had had this huge fight. People were all witness to it. And he's the town drunk. Like, all of the things. I mean, they were like, mm, we think it's him. And... They went through trial. He was, like, convicted. And so he was sentenced to death by hanging. Meanwhile, poor Elizabeth, 
Right. Her dad has died. He's murdered by her fucking husband. And now he's about to be hanged. Yeah. They did grant him a final request. And instead of a last meal, Busby chose to have a last drink. And of course, he wanted to have this drink sitting his ass in his beloved stoop chair. And so the stoop chair, that's what it was called. It's like a wooden spindled kind of like rocking chair looking thing. And what it is, it's like a porch chair. Yeah. I mean, can you picture it like... Yeah, old, absolutely. Yeah. Something you would love. Especially if it rocked. Mm-hmm. After Busby swallowed his last sip, he was ordered to stand up and they began to lead him off to his execution. So he stood up and started to follow them, but then he stopped and in a loud voice informed everyone in the inn that death shall come swiftly to anyone that dares sit in my chair and continued walking out the front door, inching closer and closer to his death. Thomas Busby was then executed, and after he was dead, he was cut down, dipped in pitch, which is basically like tar, and then hanged from a gibbet next to the inn. What the fuck is a gibbet? So this is also called hanging in chains. And so what it is, it's like a post that they hang your body once you're like tarred, what is, but they hang you and you are just like mm, on display to show the people like, hey, this is what happens if you kill someone. Yeah. It's kind of like the Handmaid's Tale when Mm -hmm. they put them up on the uh, Wall? wall. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, so crazy that like everything that we talk about that we're like, it's so terrible. It's so crazy. Kind of like on Handmaid's Tale. When I know, I know. We say that so much. I know. When I tell people about The Handmaid's Tale, I'm like, look, it's crazy. And if you're not scared of it, like, you need to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Because holy shit. If you can't see all of that happening in our world right now, mm-hmm. you're not woke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're <laughs> <a> millennial, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a boomer. <laughs> All right. Well, the new owner of the inn was no fool, and he saw dollar signs. So he was spreading the word about the death threat tied to the chair. He wanted to make sure everyone knew and that he was going to keep that chair right where it was, just waiting for some sorry sap to sit there and drink his worries away and put money in the innkeeper's pocket. But no one sat in that chair for a long time because people were like, uh-uh. Yeah, I'm not tempting fate like that. Yeah, like, no, no. Also, the inn's name was changed to Busby Stoop Inn because it was right by the post mm-hmm. that he was hung from and all the yeah. things. And that damn stoop chair. Okay, so the story goes that whoever sits in Busby's stoop chair would die soon after. Like, Final Destination style. Didn't matter how it was, like, you gonna die. Yeah. With anything that's scary or whatever, it became a challenge to some guys. And so they would dare each other, you know, like, can you do it? Well, during World War II, a lot of soldiers sat in that chair, okay? None of the people who sat in that chair came home from war. (gasps) And so the locals were like, it's because they sat in that chair. Yeah. However, 
It was war. Yeah. It was war. <laughs> so that one is like, I'm a carry on that one. Like, See, and, and that one I'm like, well, were they, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. The, <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh my God. That's hilarious because our minds work completely different. Always. it's We're polar opposites, yes. but the same. Yes. It's so bizarre. They say the first recorded victim of the death stoop chair was in 1894, and it was a chimney sweeper who had been drinking in the pub, and he decided to sit in the chair because he had nowhere else to sit. And so finally, he was like, fuck, I'm tired. I need a break. And this is the only chair. Like, you know what? Nothing's happened to anyone. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Well, he walked out of the inn later that night. But the next morning, he was found hanging from a pole outside the same place where Busby was hanging from the gibbet. That was the innkeeper. Ooh, look at you, (laughs) Scooby-Doo. There was a builder's apprentice, and he had lunch at the inn, and his coworkers were daring him and teasing him. And so he sat in Busby's chair And then right when they were working that afternoon, he fell from the building and died. Wow. Then in 1967, there were two young guys from the Air Force. They had spent the entire evening just daring each other to sit in that chair. This is so me and you. Like, I could just see, well, it's me. You being like, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be like, double dog dare you. And then you'd probably be like, how much money are you going to pay me? (laughs) That's how that would go. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what happened, they ended up both, like, sitting there for a second. You know, you jump, I jump, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they both had died in a car accident on the way back from the inn to their airbase. Wow. Then in the, like, 1970s, mid-1970s, the landlord of the inn, Tony Earnshaw, he was like, look, I think it's getting too much now. Like, people were... Again, it was becoming that challenge and everything. Right. And then so many people, like, tying it to it. It's like, shit, is he responsible then because he has it there? You know, like, all of the things. He moved the chair into the basement. So, you know, no one's going to sit there, right? Wrong. There was a guy who was a bricklayer, and he was working at the inn, and he was, you know, like, needing a rest, Saw this chair, sat in it, and that afternoon, he fell to his death. Wow. And so many more are like this, you know? I mean, there was another Air Force pilot who was killed the day after he sat in that chair. A motorcyclist died right after leaving the inn. There was a hitchhiker that was knocked down and killed two days after visiting the inn. Then there was a local guy who, he was in his early 30s, finally sat in that chair. You know, he had been hearing about it the whole time, like grew up hearing about this fucking chair. Mm -hmm. And he never wanted to do it. Well, he finally did it after, you know, probably lots of drinking and coercion from friends. He sits in the chair. That night, he had a massive heart attack and died. Damn. There was a roofer who was working, and the roof collapsed beneath him. He died. Dang. There was this new cleaning woman at the inn, 
and she was cleaning, you know, all the things. Well, she's like, oh my God, this chair is beautiful. Like, okay. And she goes to clean it, you know, and stuff. And they're like, hey, don't sit in that chair. Don't whatever. And she's like, oh shit. I mean, I did for a minute, like just to get like, you know, yeah, like, just to get some nook and crannies. And they were like, well, let me tell you about this chair. They proceed to tell her. And while they're telling her, she suffered from an aneurysm and died. Wow. In 1978, there was a delivery man who sat in the chair in the basement because he was like, you know, needing to take a break. Sounds like something I would do. (laughs) I mean, I'm not joking. When he goes back up from the basement, he tells the landlord, oh, my God, that is a good chair down there. It's sturdy. It's comfortable. Like, it should not be locked away down there. Like, Put that up here. I'm sure he didn't go that high up, but yeah, whatever. Well, within a few hours, his truck veered off the road and crashed and killed him instantly. Wow. That was the last straw. And after that, Earnshaw decided to, what's the British word for call? Like, ring up? Mm -hmm. He decided to ring up the local museum. And he was like, look. I want to donate something to y'all. You know, like, blah, 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 blah. Tells them the story and they're like, hell yeah, we know. And hell yeah, we'll take it off your hands. Overall, this chair is thought to have taken the lives of 63 people who have sat in that chair. Holy fuck. So he was like, look, I'm not playing around. Like, I don't want you to just have this in this museum and people can still sit in it. Right. All of the things. So the museum staff was like, no, we totally get it. So they made arrangements and they transported the chair like with tight security so no one would know. Yeah. Well, it's still on public display at the museum, but it hangs up about six feet. It's on the wall. So no one can sit in it. Right. They can't really even touch it to clean it or anything because, hello, the cleaning lady, that whole thing. But she sat in it to clean it. Yeah. But, like, let's not tempt fate. Mm-hmm. It can collect dust. Just get one of those. I was going to say an air can. Yeah. They do have a tag attached to it that, you know, tells about the curse and all of that. But they do have a warning. Do not touch this chair. I also want to point out that there are some reports that Thomas Busby haunted the inn or still haunts the inn. Because people say that they've seen a dark shadow on the upper floor landings and they've seen you know, a dark shadow wandering around the entire second floor. So he's probably watching. And when one of them does it, he's like, all right, let me write their name down and sign still delivered. Mm -hmm. You're fucked. Absolutely. The chair has been examined by a furniture historian whose name is Dr. Adam Bowett. And he concluded that the actual chair in the museum is not the original chair because the spindles on the chair were like machine made and it was that was not the case until much later in history. So he said this chair was made around 1840, about 138 years after Busby was executed. Wow. So if this isn't the real chair on display at the museum, all I can say is be careful where you sit. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. I wonder how much of that is just, like, 
clearly sheer coincidence. Oh, for sure. Like the war. Yeah, for sure. How much of that is just fabricated? Yeah. But I wonder how much of it is just like a mental thing, too. Like, well, fuck, I sat in this chair, so now some, some, something's going to happen. And then, so true. you know, then they like, they're thinking about it and they veer off the road. Yeah. They manifest their own destiny. Yeah. You said it way better. <laughs> Man, who knows? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I wouldn't sit in the chair. Fuck no. I sprained my ankle on a pebble. I don't need any help Mm-mm. fucking my shit up. Mm-mm. I really liked this story. I cannot believe it. I thought you would not like it. No, I really liked it. I think it's because at the beginning. Yeah. Like, if you were just like, there's a chair, I'd be like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, that's why I, like, didn't, I didn't start with, like, it's a haunted object. Yeah. I had to ease you into it. I've learned now. I was going to say, <laughs> you know how to hook me in. Okay, so does your story have a chair? Because if so, if it has spindles, it's the same fucking chair. What if I said it does? If it does, I'm going to say, what a coinky dink. All right. Picture it. May 1973, we're heading on up to Maryland. More specifically, the Poplar Hill Correctional Institute. Ooh. Was it the popular place to be? No. Bad joke. <laughs> it kind of sounds like I'm starting one of your stories, right? Like mm-hmm. already in the prison? Stay in your pond. Okay. There's a guy there. His name is Carl Isaacs. And Carl's a bad dude. Well, he's also in prison at Poplar Hill Correctional Institute with his half-brother, Wayne Coleman. So Carl and Wayne had a, another inmate that they were really good friends with. His name was George Dungy. I know this is a lot of names. I'm sorry. Well, the three of them were like, I'm tired of this fucking prison. We got to get out. And so they devised an escape plan. And, okay, their escape plan was no Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Lord. But it still worked. Of course it did. So, I mean, Ted Bundy jumped out of a window and was just like, I'm going to grow my hair out. And he could have got away with it. Well, that's basically what they did. Oh, God. They (laughs) climbed out of a bathroom window. Oh, God. And, okay, so the prison, like, backed up to some woods. And so they just went and hid out in the woods until a car came along that they could steal. Well, one, they didn't have Old Red, because he would have found him. Who's Old Red? Blake Shelton sings about him. Oh. Yeah, I think I do know that song. That was like a 20-minute delay (laughs) of cricket, cricket. Yeah, I think I have heard it. Because he goes through, and he's like, oh, okay, the warden's like, you can take care of Old Red, because he's like, you're a trustworthy criminal. Mm -hmm. Well, so then he is like, he, 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 gets a blue tick hound, and it lets him fornicate. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, no, no, no. And so Old Red is like, huh, huh. And <laughs> Okay, Gaston. <laughs> and, and then you even laughed like it. <laughs> I even laughed like Gaston. Take <laughs> <laughs> cheap shots like Gaston. <laughs> I even laughed in the, okay, too much. <laughs> too much, too much. Um, but so then he's like, I'm going to lace up my boots and it's time for me to blow this popsicle stand. And so he's, like, running, and the warden's like, ha, 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 release the hounds. So he does, but old Red is like, ha, 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 mm-hmm. I need my blue tick. Mm-hmm. And Blake Shelton goes, like, off in the sunset. 
And he said, and "That's five like five years of our lives. We'll never get back here in that story." <laughs> and he said, "Love got him in there, but love got him out." Clever, but was it love? <laughs> <laughs> Now we know why I'm single. (laughs) So the three amigos find a car to steal and they start heading south and they're heading down towards Florida. Of course they are. They are the original Florida men. On their way south, they rob all these different places so they can have money for food and gas and all the things to get them down to Florida. Well, nine days in, they're out of money again. And when they're running out of money and gas, they find themselves in Seminole County in Georgia in a town by the name of Donaldsonville. So this is like a very small town, less than like 3,000 people. You know, it's just, it's a very, there's not a lot going on. I was watching a YouTube video on this case and a guy was in that town, like, in present day. And the town had, I can't remember, like, a factory had shut down or something. You know, there was there was a, a big move out. There aren't very many jobs in the area. You know, when you picture, like, a small town downtown with, like, the rows of shops and stuff. Yeah. All of them were closed. Oh, my gosh. The town was so small. How small was it? You know, when you go into, like, a really kind of uppity neighborhood and you have like the guard shack that you have to go past to get into it yeah well that guard shack was their police department no Mm -hmm. their police car was a golf cart no Uh uh-huh oh my god so again you know obviously in 1973 it was a little bit different but it, it was still a very small town yeah you know Not a lot. Yeah. A golf cart. Yes. So the men roll into this town and they're trying to find a place to rob. Because again, they need food, they need gas, they need all the things to continue their trek to Florida. And so the guys are looking around to see what they can rob. Actually, let me back up just a smidgen because I forgot to mention when they, after they escaped prison, they met up with Carl's little brother, Billy. So there's four of them now. Carl, Billy, Wayne, and George. Okay, now they're a quartet. Yes. Okay, so they find a trailer. For sell or rent. Rooms to let 50 cents. Thank you. I am. This is Country Songs 101 here. So the four guys happen upon this trailer, and they realize that nobody's at home. So they're like, we're going to hit that up. So they're looking around the trailer to see what they can find to steal, and they find about $75 in the trailer. Just when they're about to leave, they hear a car pull up, and they look out the window, and they see that a Jeep has pulled up to the trailer. So the guys are like, what the fuck do we do now? Because we've been seen, and so what the fuck do we do? Carl says their thought process is that we've been seen now, So we can either tie them up and just leave them or kill them. So who pulled up? The owner of the house, Jerry Alday, and Jerry's dad, Ned. So they get to the house and 
Carl and Wayne go out to the Jeep and bring them inside. Because they're like, look, we've got shotguns. They had a shotgun in the Jeep. They're like, kind of it's them or us. We've been seen. If we're going to keep going to Florida, we got to kill them. So Carl took Jerry into one bedroom and Wayne took Ned into the other. And they shot and killed both of them. Oh my gosh. Why not even together though? Like, gosh. I mean, you're going to kill them. Let them at least hold hands. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know why this detail bothered me because it's so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. But when they, you know, they forced them in at gunpoint and then basically like frisked them to see what they had in their pockets to steal more. And I'm like, you know, you're about to kill them. Just fucking kill them and then do it. Like, don't prolong the inevitable for them. Yeah. Like, that's just fucking torture, you know, because they're standing there terrified and they're fucking getting a pat down, you know? Well, not long after they killed Jerry and Ned, Carl and Wayne, you know, leave those bedrooms, leave the bodies in there. They're standing around kind of talking about what's next. And Billy goes, somebody else just got here. Oh, my gosh. Now, I have seen the order of the next couple of things in two different ways, but I'm going to give Carl's account. Okay. Carl looks out the kitchen window, and he sees a pickup truck pulling up to the trailer with two men in it. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, another two people, you know? And so it's like, again, fuck. We're busted. And now we've got a dead body in two different rooms. Why are they still there? I think that it had not been very long. Like, just basically long enough for them to kill them. And I would assume that if they weren't done ransacking the house, Mm -hmm. they probably continued. But I don't know. Okay. I never saw anything with the timeline of how long they were actually there. Okay. I mean, I guess, hell, they're like, well... They're dead now, so we can just take our time and find everything. Right. Well, he looks out the window, like I said, sees the pickup truck with the two guys, and they weren't getting out. And so Carl and Billy, this time, they go out to the truck with their guns. So Billy goes to the passenger side, Carl goes to the driver's side of this truck, and they force the two men out. And the two men in the truck were Jerry's brother Chester and his uncle Aubrey. Oh gosh. So Billy and Carl forced the two men into the house at gunpoint. And just like before, Carl takes one to one bedroom, Wayne takes the other to another bedroom after they've fucking frisked them and kill them both. What the hell? Over $75 now. Mm-hmm. A little bit after that, again. The guys are what I would imagine would be sitting there just figuring out their next plan. I don't honestly, I don't know what they were doing. But all of a sudden, a tractor pulls up to the trailer. A fucking tractor? Mm hmm. And on the tractor is Jerry's brother, Jimmy, all day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I honestly, I don't know. It made all these people come to this fucking house. I don't know if they heard something. I, I, I don't know. But either way, Jimmy comes to the house, knocks on the door. Well, Wayne opens the door and immediately sticks a pistol straight in Jimmy's face. So, of course, 
poor Jimmy is like, what the fuck? Goes inside. They pat him down to see what they can steal from fucking him. Then they force him to lay down on the couch, face down in the living room. And Carl shoots and kills Jimmy. Oh, my goodness. How many men did they have in this family? A lot. And they just keep coming. Next, they're going to be sitting there, still pilfering, and they're going to be like, oh, shit, do you hear that? There's horses galloping up to the thing. Like, what else can <laughs> what else can come? A UFO. It's coming up here. Like, what the hell? Okay. So, after they kill Jimmy, they're all back in the kitchen, and they decide somebody has to move the tractor. We can't just leave it sitting out in the front yard, like... We got to move it so nobody thinks that Jimmy's there. So Carl's like, well, I'll do it. So he goes outside, gets on the tractor, and is just so about to move it when a car pulls up. Oh, my goodness. But this time in the car is Jerry's wife, Mary. Oh, no. When Mary pulls up, she stops and she's just looking at Carl. Like... Who the fuck is that on a tractor? Why are they at my house? Like, what the fuck is going on? And so it's almost like she and Carl are in a standoff. Like, who's going to make the first move? Well, it was Carl. He gets off the tractor and forces Mary out of her car and into the house. I will say that, okay, that part that I said where the timeline changes a little bit in some some scenarios, in Carl's account, the... Men in the truck came, then the tractor, then Mary. In some of the other accounts I found, it was the tractor, Mary, and then the two men in the truck. You may see that timeline change a little bit if you look it up. When they got Mary inside, Billy and George started taking the guns and stuff from their car and moving it into Mary's. Some stuff says that it was Billy and Wayne, but I think Wayne stayed with Carl. At this point, we do know at this point, Carl forces Mary to lay on the kitchen table and he rapes her. Of course he does. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, motherfucker. One article I found said that Wayne raped her, too. That's why I think Wayne stayed with Carl and the other two were transferring the stuff to her car. Fuck them. Oh, of course. Poor Mary. I know. I, I Like, I cannot even imagine. No. And she knows she's going to die after this. You know? I mean. And did, I wonder, I wonder, did they tell her that half of her fucking family is in the other rooms dead? You know? Probably. Does she know that? Does she? I don't know. She's probably like, where is everyone? You know? Because mm-hmm. there's so many vehicles out there. What the fuck? Fuck. Yeah. Well, they force Mary into her car. George and Carl drive Mary's car. And Billy and Wayne take their stolen car. And they go about seven miles up the road to this heavily wooded area. When they get her out there, everybody but Billy rapes her again. Again? Mm-hmm. So, all three men. What the hell? Oh, my God. I cannot even imagine. Cannot even imagine. I know. 
After they all get finished raping her, George shoots her. Oh, how thoughtful. So now Carl, Wayne, and George have all killed someone. Billy has kind of just been along for the ride. He's been part of the robberies and all of that, but he didn't rape her and he hasn't pulled the trigger to kill anybody. Now, in current law, he would be just as guilty of murder as the ones who pulled the trigger because he was involved in like an armed robbery and someone died during it, but or died during the commission of a felony or something like that. I don't know. I learned it on Law and Order. Actually, I think I learned that on The Closer. With Brenda Lee Johnson. Mm-hmm. Remember how that's how she talked? Yes. I'm Brenda Lee her. Johnson of the LAPD. <laughs> that was me doing an accent, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as good as your British one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the guys abandon their car that they had stolen before. And they take Mary's car and start driving towards Alabama. Once they're in Alabama, Mary's car breaks down, and so they have to steal another car. You know what? Good for that car. Uh, Right? Like, ha-ha. After they stole the next car, they fled to Kentucky, and they spent the next couple of days just kind of watching the news to see, like, did anybody find them? Like, where do they need to start running to next? Not long after they were in Kentucky, they decided to hit the road again, and Once they were in West Virginia, they actually got busted robbing this, like, old country store. And that ended their 13-day robbing and killing spree since they had escaped from the prison. Wow. When they were caught for the robbery, they found all these weapons that tied them to the all-day murders. Also, when you said, like, old general store... All I can think about are those candy stores, like, up in the mountains and stuff where you would go, and they have, like, barrels of the old-fashioned candy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And you, like, buy it by the pound? Yep. There was a gas station that was on my way to Tampa, because, I don't know, if you're new to the podcast, I went to grad school in Tampa, and I had to drive to Tampa once a month for class, and there was this gas station on the way. It wasn't an old country store, but it had those things. One time I spent $7 on candy in one bag. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I had no idea how expensive it was. (laughs) And I was loading up on that bag. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, that's the kind of shit I would rob. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Give me all the candy. I don't know why, but I'm thinking of those little wax Coca-Cola. Yeah. Oh, yes. That had the juice in them. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my bit of honey. Do you need money? No, bit oh honey. <laughs> All right. Billy Isaacs ended up turning state's evidence. And he was like, okay, I'll testify, but uh, I ain't going down for murder. And so he got a 20-year prison sentence for armed robbery and testified against the other guys in their trials. So before the trials, there was this documentary that interviewed Carl Isaacs. And if this is the documentary thing that I watched, I got a lot of stuff from it. It was on YouTube, and it was just called The All Day Family Murders. And the beginning of it chronicled a few different murderers because it was talking about how 
the change in the death penalty happened during that time and that some people that had been given the death penalty, it had been changed to life in prison, blah, 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 blah. And then it talks about them escaping. It has, it's interviewing, you're watching Carl talk about all this. And in the documentary, he says that he killed Jerry, Ned, Aubrey, and Jimmy. And they actually used this documentary against him in his trial. What the BTK's going on here? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Narcissistic. So initially, he, Carl, Wayne, and George, because, of, well, again, the only three, because Billy had turned state's evidence, they were all convicted and sentenced to death. But the Court of Appeals overturned it because they said that the potential juror pool basically was tainted. And so they retried them in 88, and Carl was given the death penalty, but the other two guys were given life in prison. And I think that that is because Carl was really the ringleader. So I think that's why if anybody was going to get the death penalty, it was him. There was a lot of like back and forth with appeals and what have you. There was a lot in this case about is the death penalty constitutional and is it even right? Because like with Carl, he had bladder cancer. And again, when you're in prison, they have to take care of your medical bills and all that. And so they did all of this to cure his bladder cancer. Like I think he, his bladder was even removed. So he had all this medical treatment and then they actually executed him May 6th of 2003. So it's like... Why do they try to cure him if they're just going to execute him? Because they have to. You know, I mean, because it's part of basic human rights that you... If, if you're housing them like that, you have to take care of their medical stuff. Now, I get inmates who are not on death row, but like... It's a slippery slope, and it's not. I don't think it's something we should necessarily debate. Well, because I have no idea. But just know that it was it was a conflict. Another thing that was kind of controversial about this case too is that Carl Isaacs was forty nine when he was given the death penalty, like when they executed him. He was nineteen when he committed the murders, and so some people were like, "He served thirty years." You know, that's basically a life sentence. And, you know, who he is at 49 isn't who he was at 19. And so he shouldn't be executed. And it brought up discussions about how long inmates serve on death row and all the things. But there were a lot of articles that talked about how little remorse he had. And some stuff said he did. But most of the stuff, when he was interviewed, he was quoted basically saying, if you let me out, I'm going to do it all over again. Yeah. Why do they spend so much time when they're serving on death row? I think a lot of it has to do with the number of appeals that they get. Because it wasn't until he had exhausted all his appeals that had made it up all the way to the Supreme Court that they scheduled his execution. So I I think it's just how long those appeals and stuff take. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong because we have people like Curtis Flowers and yeah. stuff that finally get justice and I know you know all of this so we see that that there are innocent people on 
death row and we do need that waiting period. However, it's still like. But how do you know? I mean, what is the checks and balances, though, to say, well, he's been on death row for 25 years. That's too long. But if he still had an appeal left, what if that was the one appeal that showed DNA evidence that proved that he didn't he or she didn't do it? Yeah. So it's like, how can you? You can't. I mean, it's how it is. When you have a penalty that is so permanent, you have to fucking be sure. And so you have to have every opportunity to correct a wrong. Now, whether it always gets corrected or not, that's a whole other spiel. But you have to give people the opportunity to prove their innocence if yeah. they're innocent. Yeah. Because if you're killing one innocent person, it negates everything. Oh, for sure. So, like I said, Carl was executed in 2003. Billy was released from prison in 1993. And he died in Florida in May of 2009. He was 51. He made it to Florida. He did. Dang. He did. But he died at 51. Mm. George Dungy died in prison in April of 2006. And as of the last thing I found, which was like an article from like 2016, Wayne Coleman is still alive in jail. How old is he? He was the oldest. I don't know how old he is. He was the oldest at the time, I think. So I would guess 70s. He probably took his Flintstone vitamins. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I go to jail and they're going to be like, ma'am, why are you here? Uh, I heard y'all had great health care. These people are surviving uh, did you hear about George Dungy? He survived. He was the oldest, and he's still kicking. Okay, except for it's Wayne, but sure. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> George. See, she already has Alzheimer's. She needs your <laughs> medical care. <laughs> I'm bad with names. <laughs> okay. That documentary I told you about that I found on YouTube that I watched, it interviewed the matriarch of the all-day family. It just talked about how on that day, she lost three sons a daughter-in-law, a brother-in-law, and a husband. Holy Hannah. Like, we talk about family annihilators. They were. Yeah. And, you know, the mom said that her three boys, they grew up together. They did everything together. They were all really involved in this church. They all became deacons in their church at the same time. She said they lived together. They did everything together. And they even died together. Oh, my gosh. So sad. Over $75 fucking dollars. One of the very last sentences of one of the articles I read, and it said, all over a tank of gas. Yeah. Because that they were out of gas, and that's why they were looking for something to rob. Wow. So even less than seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Six people murdered. Multiple families destroyed. Yeah. Wow. Like, I have no words because it's just so pointless. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so pointless. Senseless, I guess I should say. You know, just well, and the fact $75. That, and the fact that they were all already in prison. Yeah. Except for Billy. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hated that story. <laughs> <laughs> all day, air day. <laughs> That's going to be the title of the... uh, Yes! Good for Billy for turning state's evidence, though. But also, like, 
he's still a fucker. Oh, he's still a fucker, but good for him. Like, to it, do not, that? No, not good for him because he was... Sh- he was in cover your ass mode. He didn't oh, give a fuck. Oh, he had no sure. fucking remorse. I guess not good for him, but I'm glad he did. So it sealed the fate of the other people. Mainly fucking Carl, who was the first to fucking rape Mary. Yeah, but again, they were all pieces of shit. And they all had equally fucked up stories as to why they were in prison to begin with. You mm-hmm. know? And so it's just like, oh, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, to tie it back into my story, I wonder if Carl had a last meal or a last drink. Well, he actually did have a last meal. What was it? It was prison food. Like, he didn't get, he just wanted a tray. I think it was something pork and stewed cabbage and carrots and something else. Like, it was straight from the, he didn't get anything special. Like, it's what he requested. Oh, and when they and when they asked him like if he had any last words, he didn't. He had like kind of like the last rites read, and then at the end of it, he mouthed "Amen." Y'all couldn't hear it, but I rolled my eyes. I hate him. All of them, though. Like oh, he's yeah, getting I the ha- worst rap because no, he hate- was like the ringleader. But yes. God dang, I hate them all. But it's oh, he raped Mary first. That's all I have to say, and I don't like him. But they fucking all did. Oh, yeah. It fucking, except Billy, but he just stood by like a coward. Mm-hmm. Well, in my head, all I'm thinking is that Carl, because I made this whole story up, but Carl's like threatening them to rape her and to do all this stuff, but he don't want Billy to do it because Billy's his little brother. Mm-mm. How do you know? The only thing that- How do you know? The only thing that I think that maybe- there was some pressure of is I think that they may have made George kill Mary because Wayne and Carl had done all the murders thus far. And so he had to get some blood on his hands to equal it out so that they would, he would keep his mouth shut. But not Billy because he He was was a little brother. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure yes in that instance, but I feel like the only thing anybody had to be made to do would probably be George killing Mary. But still, it's from Carl, and I hate him. I hate them all equally, but he, I the most? spit on his grave. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't spit. <laughs> she really doesn't. She hates no, it. No, I don't. I mean, ditto, but really. Look, I love Titanic, but I will fast forward that one That one part. That part when it gets on his face? Oh, oh okay. Too much. Mm-mm. And why in porn do they always have to spit now? You know, I don't know, but it, ugh. Oh, my God. There was this one. I'm like, oh, maybe my favorite. But there's like 15 seconds. I go, oh, get, Okay, back. Okay, back to our scheduled whatever. Broadcast. Well, this is what I take away from both of our stories. Busby killed his father-in-law, Daniel, over, like, the fighting, but over him sitting in his fucking chair, because mm-hmm. he was Petty Betty. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, like, that minute detail that he just, like, honed in on and was like, motherfucker, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this whole gang of fucking criminals, they did all of this 
murderous shit over $75. Yep. And it's like the smallest shit. And they ruin people's lives. Like you said, Elizabeth lost her husband and her dad. So don't go kill people over small shit. Just bitch about it like we do. Yes. God. Wish burning diarrhea on them. And no toilet paper. And in Carrie's case, no wet ones. True story. (laughs) As always, let us know what you think. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.